Today's episode of Tech Talks on the Unsettled Media Podcast Network is brought to you by Tech Impact, focused on unlocking prosperity by embracing technology. For more, head to techimpact.it. Hello, everybody. Welcome back or welcome to Tech Talks. I'm your host, Kathy Simpson, the CEO of Tech Impact, and thrilled to be here today. Tech Talks, in case you don't know, is a series of podcasts and webinars that provides technology-centric information on what's happening here in Atlantic Canada. Our guests are business leaders, tech professionals, university or college leaders, and entrepreneurs who share their stories, and we have some great ones to share, and the work that they're doing that's changing our economy and our lives. It's great to have you here, and we've got such a cool show today with our guests Frank McKenna and Adrian Oprey. Yes, we all know Frank is a New Brunswick legend. For many of us, we know him as a businessman, former New Brunswick Premier, former Canadian Ambassador, and Deputy Chair of the TD Bank. His roots are as a farm boy growing up mostly with his grandmother in Appahawk next door to his family home. He's a St. of X grad and a UMB Law graduate, and he's excited to tell the world about his latest initiative here in New Brunswick called the McKenna Institute. My other guest is Adrian Oprey. I've known Adrian for over 25 years, and she's a legend too here in New Brunswick. We grew up together at MBTEL at a time when the leadership of that organization was off the charts. How blessed were we? Later, Her career took her to Atlantic Lotto and the New Brunswick Business Council, and now as the executive director of the new McKenna Institute. I can't think of a better change maker to be taking on this new opportunity. So you've got it. You know what the show's all about. The official launch of the McKenna Institute, which happened on Tuesday, September 7th. It really is a catalyst of economic growth that will accelerate talent and ideas for a digital New Brunswick. In this Tech Talks podcast, we talk about their love of the province, why digital is so important right now, and the work of the McKenna Institute. There's lots to unpack, so settle in to listen to my conversation with Adrian and Frank, true New Brunswickers on a mission. Good afternoon, everybody. I'm thrilled to have today on the show Adrian Oprey and Frank McKenna, both involved in the McKenna Institute. Thank you for joining us today, both of you. Pleasure to be here. Thanks, Kathy. Well, you're making uh, history here in uh, the city of Fredericton as you are launching the McKenna Institute. So we're gonna dive into that. But before we get started, I thought it would be fun to talk a little bit about your love of the province of New Brunswick. And Adrian, I know you're a Newfoundlander, but you have been in New Brunswick a long time. What has kept you here to this day? Yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely, uh, a Newfoundlander. But you know, I left when I was three, so <laughs> my father, my father would say there's very little of that left in me, much to his chagrin. But uh, I guess you know, just growing up here in New Brunswick, and um, just the, you know, there were so many paths to take, so many different opportunities. If you really, you know, if you really had your eyes open to them, um, I was really fortunate to go uh, into the immersion program really early on in school. And so I just, I, I found that, um, you know, no matter what you wanted to do, there was a pathway in New Brunswick. And uh, 
early on, my husband and I decided that, you know, even before we had our families, is that this is where we wanted to call home. Uh, it was the quality of life. It's the the, the nature, um, just the beauty of nature, the people, and just what could be available to you. We had, um, you know, strong universities. We had strong businesses with great reputations. And we thought with the cost of living, we could do anything we wanted from here. And then we could also see the world from here. So... Your children, you have two children. They're here. Your husband yes. is still here. And you're, you live in Riverview. Is that correct? That's right. Yeah. That's lovely. And Frank, I know you're, you've had a lifelong love affair with New Brunswick. You've gone and came back, but you've always had a residence here. Tell us about your love of this beautiful province. Yeah, my story um, is just kind of the opposite to Adrian's. <clears throat> I was born, raised, and have always been in New Brunswick, but uh, um, but was raised by my Newfoundland grandmother. So I probably have more Newfoundland than, they, than Adrian does. Result <laughs> of that, it's um, rather amusing. But uh, no, I I grew up on a a farm uh, um, outside of Appahawk, uh, New Brunswick, which is down southern New Brunswick in Kings County, and um, you know, in many ways, you, you couldn't have had a better um, a better life. Um, we were poor, but we were uh, we weren't hungry, and there were a lot of us, ten in our family, and assorted cousins used to come to live with us. So we we always had a big crowd around. Um, and then I had the good fortune or bad fortune, you might say, early on of um, being sent to live with my grandmother. She lived next door, and after my grandfather died, uh, as was the practice in the country. Uh, um, we looked after my grandmother, and so I was sent to live with her. And and she, uh, in my house, we had we had a lot of kids, but in in that house, my grandmother's house was only one. So I got a lot of attention from her, and and she was a very very smart uh, woman, a very driven woman, and she uh, had me reading the um, long before I should be uh, probably still in diapers, and and, and developed just a, a, an insatiable love of of learning and um, and success in me. So um, I was fortunate to have a loving family on one farm and a and a and a driven grandmother on the other farm. And uh, um, the rest is history. So how does a farm boy from Appahawk who became a lawyer and a politician fall in love with technology? You're not a software engineer. You're not a coder. Um, but can you remember when you got your first computer and had to start using it in your profession? Um, it, well, that's interesting. We we didn't we weren't really using computers in in law, um, and really I was at the forefront of the of the of the internet as premier. I, I think I had the first uh, actual uh, internet address as premier. And um, and we had we we opened uh, 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 secretariat uh, for the information superhighway. We actually appointed a minister uh, responsible. So we were we were really pushing hard right from the outset. But uh, but my technical knowledge was was such that um, I remember when we when we uh, announced to the world that we had an internet address and we're kind of open for business on the internet. Um, I, I, I was supposed to be demonstrating this great technology to the press, and 
my secretary, Pirette Bada, was under the desk actually operating the computer. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty obvious I didn't know what I was doing. Um, so, look, just cut to the chase. I don't, I'm not particularly uh, sophisticated when, when it comes to the use of technology. I'd like to think that I'm reasonably um, visionary about the the prospects of technology and about uh, the way technology can transform lives. And uh, so I've been a huge believer that um, that knowledge itself and knowledge enhanced by with the use of technology uh, was going to be the single biggest factor in uh, determining the success of our province or any place in the world, quite frankly. And so I dove in into that pond um, with a lot of enthusiasm. In the early days, you would have been really driving the change in the economy with the contact center industry, the customer service industry that came here in the early 90s and led to the 2000s. And during that time, Adrian, you probably had floppy disks in university like me. But you're, you were, uh, you are an MBTEL alumni like me. Probably that's where you really dove into the capability of technology. Yeah, absolutely. Like you said, we're we're of the same vintage you and I back in the days of the floppy disk, and uh, and, and I do I do remember that sort of in the early days. But there's no question that NBTEL uh, at the time that Frank was premier, and. Uh, in his vision, saw that MBTEL was really a gem. And I, I consider myself just very, very lucky to have had that as a start. I was I was recruited right off the UNB campus out of, uh, out of the um, master's in business program and just had a phenomenal career there. And so it was very entrepreneurial, it was very innovative. And although I was in the customer service side of the business, it was all about, you know, those were the strengths of the organization, what allowed us to, uh, for New Brunswick to thrive in, in building the you know the contact center industry was was the people, so it was really that combination of entrepreneurship, innovation, technology, and people, and that was really instilled in us, as you recall, Kathy. <laughs> you know, we were in different groups, but uh, we were always brought together because it was very much uh, a collaboration and uh, in, in cultural change and, and moving things forward. So uh, it was a great uh, foundational place to start a career. <laughs> And Frank, would you say, you know, the background that Adrian and I have in NBTEL, were those some of your first mentors because of people like the late, late Jack Travis, Jerry Pond and others? They really helped show you the way as Premier and it stayed in your blood and bones ever since? Yeah, I think that's very true. Uh, you know, my experience with NBTEL goes back to Ken Cox and uh, it would go through Lena Celeste and John McDonald and of course, um, the irrepressible Jerry Pond and Jack Travis and Bob Neal and so many others. And uh, and I, I was, it was when we did an inventory of our strengths and weaknesses, that was the first time that NBTEL popped up on the screen. Uh, we took it for granted that everybody gave that kind of customer service and had that kind of um, an innovation agenda. But we, we discovered when we uh, really did that uh, SWOT analysis of just what a, a, a jewel it was. And of course, uh, for us, contact centers were just the low-hanging fruit. We had available workforce. We had a bilingual population. We had a telephone company that excelled in customer service. And all of that uh, worked very well to create the contact center industry, which uh, put 
probably 20 or 30,000 people to work over a period of time and really soaked up a lot of our um, excess labor. Uh, but more importantly than that, it, uh, it also allowed us to do what we always wanted to do, which was use that as a base for continuing value-add. So uh, even in the contact center industry, there was uh, outsourced contact centers, which had a certain level of requirement and remuneration. And then you get into some really sophisticated um, remote diagnostics, which required very strong levels of, of technology expertise uh, in the workforce. And uh, we moved up that value at a chain. And then th this distributed service model, we uh, we started using for other uh, applications as well that really got us much more into the high-tech field. So um, it just it was evolutionary. Um, but it was all consistent with, uh, I guess, a, an overriding theme of our government that we wanted to get people to work and that we wanted to not replace our resource industry, uh, but to supplement it, uh, knowing that our resource industry was not capable of providing work for everybody in New Brunswick who wanted work. Uh, in particular, sons and daughters who may have been educated and wanted something different. So we wanted to have new industries that would add value uh, to everything uh, and and everybody that was associated with them. When you think about the last decade, Frank, in the finance and banking industry, and you've been heavily involved, obviously, in the role that you play, uh, have you really seen that transform? And has it been exciting to be a part of that? Oh, it, it's amazing. Um, it, sometimes banks uh, refer to themselves as being in the technology business. Mm -hmm. I think we spend as much as 10 or 12 percent of our capital on uh, on technology. Uh, the healthcare system in Canada spends something like 3 percent, uh, which tells you why the healthcare system could use a lot more uh, investment, uh, probably from external uh, agencies um, and entities. Uh, in order to get better and, and be more customer focused and, and lower cost. But yeah, at the banks, we live and die on. In fact, we bought a, uh, a, an artificial intelligence company uh, to embed it within the bank just so that we would be able to bring that technology into everything that we do. I mean, uh, the management of data is, is, uh, is, is just uh, absolutely critical to everything we do. And then on the flip side of it, is cybersecurity. Uh, of course. Any incident, no matter how small, cost us millions of dollars. And bigger ones involving the loss, loss of customer data would be billions of dollars. There are class action lawyers just circling around waiting for one of these mistakes to happen. And, um, and, and then you've got regulators who pounce as well. So you have to invest massive resources uh, to try to protect your, your data. And on the other hand, because of the competitive field that we're in, you have to expend billions of dollars to use that data more effectively to build sales. So, um, yeah, it's like living in a data company, actually. Yeah, I've heard that many times. And Adrian, you've been involved in technology in one way or another your entire career. I do know you're a, you have a love for change management. You know how difficult it is for change to happen and evolve. Tell me a little bit about why that has been a part of your career over the past decade or so. 
Yeah, you're absolutely right. You know, when I think about NBTEL and, uh, you know, what became Bell Alliant and then also my time with the Atlantic Lottery Corporation, uh, both of those industries were deregulating, so their change was inevitable. You know, I just happened to be in those two industries as they were moving from a, you know, sort of a regulated environment to an unregulated environment. And so it required massive, um, you know, cultural change, product changes, um, marketing, every aspect of the business had to change. So it's definitely been a theme. And, uh, and of course, technology, really, you know, there we talk about the tech sector, but every Every industry today is a technology industry. You know, there's just no, uh, there's, there's no way that it, that it isn't if, if the industry is going to thrive. And then again, um, I was really fortunate to work with the New Brunswick Business Council for uh, for six years, and work with New Brunswick's greatest, many of New Brunswick's greatest entrepreneurs. And there's no question that in my time there, just to see um, companies adapt and change, and and to use um, to use technology to adapt to. Um, not, you know, to just, you know, be more global, to be able to compete globally. Those large New Brunswick organizations had to adopt technology um, and also, uh, you know, to address labor shortages and uh, and all kinds of change that they've been um, involved in. So, yeah, it's no question it's been a theme and uh, and I think it brings exciting opportunities for all of New Brunswick. So if you look at where you're at now, you're both today launched the McKenna Institute, which is very exciting. And I look back, back in January, I get this call from Bob Skillen, who had recently retired from UMB and was one foot in and one foot out saying, I need to talk to you about this initiative. Um, Frank McKenna has a desire to learn more about how he can contribute to our digital economy. I'm paraphrasing, these aren't Bob's words. And Bob, that led him to have many, many conversations. I bet he did 100 interviews and with lots of digital leaders across the province. And the Unicorn in the Woods book really helped to show that story because there's a lot of really phenomenal entrepreneurs and business leaders here in the province who've done amazing things. What got you thinking about the McKenna Institute, Frank? And was Unicorn in the Woods an inspiration to you to think about what is that next digital step for the province and the region? Yeah, I, I think uh, if and when the history of this whole uh, process is, is written, um, we'll have to consider uh, this project to be a bit of a pandemic baby. Uh, <laughs> As it happened, I was um, pretty well confined here to New Brunswick uh, for the last 18 months. And uh, as my wife would say, looking for projects, although I, I had my day job. Um, and Bob and uh, uh, Skilling and, and Paul Musrell came to visit me. And I, I was very excited. I've, first of all, I've known and respected Bob for decades. Uh, uh, he's been a very, very strong supporter of everything New Brunswick and uh, the university couldn't have a better uh, salesperson than Bob Skillen. He knows where everything and everybody uh, is in the university. Uh, so I was always um, uh, impressed with him and, and I became very impressed with Paul Muserol and how how much committed, how committed he was to taking the university and putting words in, in his mouth off the hill and into the community. 
Um, but, I, but I was very impressed with that. And so we struck up an instant report. And then I was lucky to have fellow travelers along the way uh, as well. You're one of them, Kathy, uh, with these huge amounts of um, uh, uh, this, this great data set and uh, just this huge amount of information uh, about what the needs were at this particular point in time. Um, that influenced me greatly. And uh, I was impressed when I met Luigi uh, and the Faculty of Computer Science. That impressed me a great deal. Um, and then I was, uh, I was just overwhelmed when, uh, when I spoke with Adrienne Opre and she agreed to come on board. Um, uh, because, uh, you know, anybody who knows me would know that uh, uh, it's generally managing chaos. Uh, and I, <laughs> I'm kind of at the center of the chaos, and I need people around me who, who are really, really good and, uh, and great managers. And, uh, and she's just uh, turned out to be all of that. But the, the, but the two, I guess the Casabella, if you like, uh, would, be, would be two things reading Unicorn in the Woods, Unicorns in the Woods, and realizing that we had a lot of bonfires burning around New Brunswick that I hadn't really thought about for some years. And it led me to believe that uh, the, the, the technology revolution that was started some decades ago was still alive and, mm -hmm. uh, and, and quite strong, and that UNB had a very strong... Um, engineering and computer science faculty uh, uh, supporting um, a lot of the initiatives taking place in the province. Simultaneously with that, of course, the pandemic hit. And the pandemic did things that I never realized were possible. Um, I, I guess what I'm trying to say is if I were premier, I, I doubt if I would seize the opportunity because I didn't even recognize the opportunity, but we all do now. And there are a number of things. First of all, people around the world um, were looking for safe. New Brunswick, safe. They're looking for a haven. New Brunswick, a haven. They were looking for affordability. New Brunswick ticks the box. They're looking for quality of life. We tick, tick the box. They were looking for connectivity. And again, we tick the box. And you look at all of those possibilities, and people were just saying, wow, this is a a wonderful place in a world that has shrunk. I, yeah. I can uh, I can be part of this world, and uh, and so uh, I think uh, all of, I think it was serendipity that these things came together, and it revealed as well. It's it's like Warren Buffett once said, uh, uh, you you can always uh, uh, tell uh, who's got a bathing suit on when the tide goes out, and. Uh, and it's and it's true here too. You can tell what's real and what isn't, and I think what we've got is real. And uh, I think we've got a real uh, opportunity and a real advantage at this moment in history, where the whole globe has shrunk, uh, to create a uh, an enduring industry that will uh, provide high quality jobs uh, for many decades to come. So. With that start lead in, Adrian, next thing you know, you're having a call with Bob and Frank and you're talking about, okay, this McKenna Institute, what the heck are we going to do? How are we going to do it? How's it going to be funded? You must have been excited. 
Yeah, yeah, no question. Yeah, no question. Because as uh, as Frank said, you know, he's uh, he's a visionary. He saw this opportunity for New Brunswick, and we have so many foundational elements. Uh, you know, since Frank's time as premier, uh, it, you know, there's been so much investment in entrepreneurship, and we've seen tremendous entrepreneurs to continue to come out of our um, you know our, our school system, our community college system, our university systems. Uh, we've had we have incubators, we have accelerators, and we also have a tremendous network in New Brunswick. That's always what strikes me. We talk about one degree of separation in New Brunswick, and that's a real benefit. Anybody you want to call, if you need anything, there's always somebody to help you. Um, you know, give you, uh, you know, that next opportunity or or some advice or or some investment. So you know, to have this opportunity once again, it's almost full circle from MBTEL. Um, you know, sort of. Uh, you know, sort of to take that foundation that's been built and to really do something that's meaningful for New Brunswick and to build our economy. That's, uh, yeah, that's a pretty amazing opportunity. So very fortunate to be involved. So why don't you dive us into what is the McKenna Institute and what do you hope to accomplish? Sure. Do you want me to take that one, Frank? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Uh, so, yeah, just as you said, Kathy, you know, Bob had, uh, you know, just so many conversations and, and we had some of them together and, and I've had a, a number since. So it's been a real team between Bob and I to sort of take all those conversations and say, you know, and then to take the, the vision that Frank had and, and to really define a mandate. So the mandate of the Institute is really it's all about economic development and it's taking those foundational elements that we have in New Brunswick to be a digital uh, powerhouse in Canada and globally and to really build from there to take those foundational elements and we've got uh, you know we've got amazing industries we've got amazing companies and if we take a, a digital overlay then we can continue to compete globally and to grow from here and so it creates opportunities for New Brunswickers uh, so we really want to be a catalyst that um, accelerates talent but also accelerates ideas and so uh, and we want to make sure, too, that we that every community in New Brunswick really sees themselves in the in this digital future that, you know, that our world has put before us. So those are sort of the key elements is really, you know, how do we accelerate talent? How do we accelerate ideas? And we got so many great uh, project ideas and those, um, you know, the, a, a good roadmap of what's next to start those foundational elements from all the organizations that will be collaborating with. When you think about how you got here, and I know we've been talking about, Frank, you mentioned some of the data sets. We've been doing some work asking the private sector their needs over the next 12, 24, three years. And I, I keep using the word unprecedented because the need for talent in the tech industry as in software companies, solution companies, but the tech workforce, that is tech people in every kind of business is so high. Is it really a driving force of you? what you see when Adrian says some of those projects, finding ways to keep driving more talent being driven and created here in the province? Yeah, look, very much so. And all of us instinctively believe that there's a huge demand for these skill sets at the moment, because that's what we hear anecdotally. What you do is provide the empirical evidence to back that up. There, there really is huge demand. 
Uh, and, and I think that what we're doing, uh, doubling uh, the number of graduates at a computer science, uh, is a first step, I say, because I, I, I think we should be more ambitious over time and tripling the uh, number of uh, graduate uh, kids in graduate programs. I, I think that that responds to an instant demand. But but there's a lot more than that uh, that we need, and uh, we need to create new companies. We, we need to... Uh, plant all the seeds in the ground that we'll see other uh, other Q1 labs and radian sticks and intro hives being created, creating hundreds and even thousands of new jobs. We want businesses to come into New Brunswick because they can get the skilled workforce. Uh, we want existing companies in New Brunswick to get skilled workforce. And in many cases, what we want to do is customize training. So if somebody needs uh, four months of training, uh, we give them four months instead of the four years, which uh, which which a full uh, meal deal would take. So uh, we, we've just got to get better at responding to the market with exactly what the market wants, not more, not less. So I think I think we'll get good at that. But there's one other point that I want to make, Kathy, um, because we we don't I don't want to get overly hung up about saying we're going to train people for the jobs that are here and everything else. I want to. I want to be like Ireland, where we provide the most skilled workforce, and therefore companies come. And um, and that's been their story. The story of their great success in the European Union is this massive educated workforce. And um, and I, I I'm a firm believer in the world of today, this shrunk world um, that we're in, and this world of um, uh, where technology is 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 the most important competitive advantage that if you train them, people will come. Simple as that. And what we need is not only to train those who want to be trained now, but we need to increase the pipeline. That means working through the school system uh, and having more kids that are that are computer literate and more kids that are turned on by technology and also bringing in immigrants, uh, both to study here and to start businesses here. Um, all of those things are needed in New Brunswick. We need more te technologically literate people, but we need more people as well. And so we, we, we hopefully can do both. When you describe it like that, Adrian, I think of your role as a convener. We've been talking about that and using that word quite a bit because as Frank describes, private sector need skilled workers. We need to be filling those seats in university and colleges, which is not a problem right now. Um, talk to me about how you see your role as a convener. Yeah, it's it's absolutely that. And and as I said, you know, most of my career to date has been around um, collaborating, Kathy. When you know uh, we have a number of uh, of. Uh, you know, organizations that through our work uh, on the economy in New Brunswick have, have collaborated with. And and I, I just think that's how we're stronger. That's how we get more done. So as an example, uh, you know, around the Ideas Accelerator, that's absolutely a convener role. How do we look at, at um, you know, those areas where we're strong as a province? How do we take that to the next level by overlaying digital strategies onto our existing business so that, again, they can compete from here, right? They can, they can find the talent they need from here, but they can also, you know, develop their ideas, develop their products. So whether it's, um, you know, overlaying digital into manufacturing so that our manufacturers can grow from here, uh, whether it's uh, agriculture, oceans, forestry, um, 
all of those things, that's the, that's really the ideas accelerator piece is how do we convene public sector, private sector, academia, researchers, citizens, how do we come together around some of these large questions and, um, and, and problems? Let's solve some real world problems and think about what those solutions are and work together on those, put our energy together to really drive those ideas for, forward for New Brunswick. And I so, think, oh, yeah, go I'll ahead, give, Frank. Yeah, I'll give you an example of collaboration. I'm meeting the most wonderful people on this journey, by the way. Just <laughs> honestly, if nothing ever came of it, it would be so much fun just meeting all these people. But one of my old friends for a, for a long, long time is Roxanne Fairweather. And she's moved for the summer into a cottage not all that far from us, which is wonderful. And um, <clears throat> But she's very close friends with Daniela DeGrasse, who uh, is one of the, really, one of the uh, unicorns in the woods. She's been in the middle of three or four of these companies. She's another neighbor. I didn't know her. She's another neighbor. So Roxanne and Danielle come to my house last week, which was absolutely wonderful. And we, we had a lot of great conversations. But we also find out that Danielle is a great gardener, a fabulous gardener, in fact. So this week, and Julie and I went over to where her house is, and we stole some tomatoes from her garden. So that's collaboration. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> when you can start with a conversation on technology and end up stealing some tomatoes. Actually, she was home, gave us the tomatoes and a lot of other, uh, a lot of other items from her garden as well. But it's, it's such a small province and people are so connected to each other, I guess is the moral of my story, that uh, it's amazing how quickly you can get to the right place on any kind of a project or idea. Well, I was going to say, if you didn't go to Daniela's and see her garden, you have to get an invitation, but you've been there. It's absolutely unbelievable. So if I know you often get the title of the best salesman in New Brunswick for New Brunswick. I think it'll take a lot for someone to take that uh, title from you, Frank. You're starting with a fund, but you have big ambitions. I know you want to raise a lot of money. You want to have a lot of contributors so that you can do really, really life-changing and province-changing and economy-changing work. Tell us a little bit about how you're going about that. Well, look, thank you. I, I, um, I, I remember one of my political opponents once said that I was a triumph of communications over substance. So uh, I'm a little careful with the communications uh, moniker, but uh, but since Jerry Pond thinks it's an important skill set, I think it's an important skill set as well. Uh, to cut to the chase, we need, um, we, we need everybody uh, to get their hands on the oars if we're gonna be successful with this initiative. Um, I'm doing what I'm doing, and I'm I'm uh, I'm donating the money that I'm donating because I profoundly believe in paying it forward. Uh, the province has been extraordinarily good to me. It was a real blessing to be born and raised here, and be given every opportunity under the sun. And I feel like I have a debt which I need to repay. But there are countless others of organizations and individuals who have been extremely successful. Uh, here or elsewhere, as the case might be, and who I'm hoping will pay it forward. And part of my job, and uh, with Adrian's help and Bob Skillen and others, is to reach out to those people and present opportunities for them. And I truly believe that not only is it selfless work, 
but it's selfish work because if we're successful, all of those of us who are participating are going to be part of a province that's more prosperous, that uh, it's a better quality of life and with more opportunities. So when you describe that, Frank, Adrian, I can't help but think about the work that you've done in the province around experiential learning. And so if I'm a art student or a business student listen, listening to the podcast and I'm hearing lots about the need for digital talent, does that matter to me? Is the McKenna Institute going to matter to me? Is there a is there a bigger social mission as well beyond the institute? And is there room for arts and business grads right in the heart of the tech sector and the tech workforce today? Love your take on that. Sure, sure. Yeah, you know, one of the things, you know, when I talked about our mandate is is really for every community to really see themselves in, in this digital world. And so I, I mentioned sort of two pillars, but there's also a third pillar about community outreach and engaging communities. And the whole idea behind that is that, uh, as an example, there's just so much opportunity, as Frank mentioned, with COVID, we, we're just rethinking where you can work from and how you can work. And so there's really an opportunity to grow uh, rural New Brunswick as an example. And when you use the example of the art student, you know, when you think about, you know, it always used to be STEM, but we're transitioning to STEAM. Yeah. yeah. And so uh, the idea is really that when you think about arts, um, you know, I was talking to the to the uh, dean of the faculty of education, because, again, that's one of the areas we're going to be collaborating is what does education look like? How do you know how do educators start to overlay uh, technology and, and make it more of the learning experience, as you say, around experiential learning. Uh, but absolutely, in talking to Sharon, one of the one of the ideas that they have in the Department of Education is around a, a digital arts, a digital arts center. And so that's one of the projects that we're talking about is that how do we how do we support that kind of development? And so when you think of uh, you know art artists, um, you know the Atlantic Ballet Theater. When you think about how they um, you know use technology and you know it's it's really you know it it filters into everything we do. Um, you know whether you're a, a a coder or not, technology is just ubiquitous in all of our lives. And for those students, absolutely, one of the things we want to do is to uh, do projects in communities. And to take, um, you know, maybe something that a community is looking at, sort of a problem they're trying to solve, and how can we bring creativity and how do we bring innovation and how do we bring data to that to work together with schools, local government, researchers, local business, and and really say, how can we look at this problem in a new way? And those are some of the outreach that we want to do. And that will involve, you know, schools, arts organizations, municipal government to see how can we collaborate in a new way to find digital solutions to, to problem, complex problems that we're looking to solve. When you describe that, Adrian, it makes me think about greater diversity in the types of people who are going to be engaged, more equality. Frank, if if you took a second here, what advice would you give to our university and our college and our high school, high school students right now thinking about what do mm. I want to study? Is there room for me here in New Brunswick? I'm thinking about my future. What advice would you give those students who are listening? Well, to start with, if we do this right, we will help break down the urban-rural divide. Uh, we'll be creating opportunities uh, for young women, 
for First Nations. We'll be creating opportunities for Francophones, for people living in the north or remote parts of New Brunswick, um, because these technologies are, are totally capable of, uh, of allowing you to literally work from anywhere that you want. And, um, and, and, and so I think it's going to be a great leveler. Um, so that would be number one. Number two, I think a lot of people like living in New Brunswick. A lot of young people um, would love opportunities uh, to be present here for them. And so many of them have not, have not found those opportunities and have had to go elsewhere to find a challenge around the world or around the country. Well, I'm hoping they come home. I'm hoping that we will be able to provide really challenging opportunities with world-class businesses so that they can come home or th those in the school system can find their face and their voice in, uh, in the kinds of opportunities that are gonna be created here. And quite frankly, I don't think it matters what your aspirations are or your technology prowess. If you want to have a BNB, you should have a BNB. You might uh, need a degree to do that. It might be arts, it might be community college, it might be business, it might be no degree at all. But you are going to have to learn how to have uh, a reservation system, and you are going to have to learn to have a website. That's Those are table stakes for even something as simple as that. If you're going to have to have a bar, you're going to have to figure out how to keep inventory and how to order. All of those require digital skills. Um, if you're going to be running an outfitting business, take advantage of our great outdoors. You're going to be needing a very strong website and, uh, and, and you're gonna to have to keep data on the kinds of customers that like your product. So almost everything you do, but then, you know, let's say you go into medicine. Uh, you know, if, if we have a healthcare system playing at the top of its game, we're going to have virtually seamless records between pharmacists, doctors, nurses, hospitals, all the players in the healthcare system, uh, making life better and, uh, and, and probably healthier for everybody. So uh, I get carried away with this a little bit, but I, I just profoundly believe that, uh, that we can make life better for every citizen in some meaningful way if we can make sure they've got the best tools available in the world at this moment. And I think that's what we can do with what we're about to embark upon. Well, that's that's going to have a pretty significant social and economic impact. I I started off the start of the podcast asking you about your love of New Brunswick. And Frank, I, I need to fess up and say I've known Adrian for over 25 years and she doesn't get involved in projects if she doesn't think it's going to drive her soul. And she's passionate about the work that she is engaged in. And if she is, you know, she's going to get the job done, but everyone else is going to be lifted up along the way. And that's one of the qualities you're getting in the leader of your institute. Do you feel like this is one of those projects in your lifetime that at the end of the day, you're going to say that this was one that really had an impact on me as an individual. This is really filling up my cup. Do you feel that as well at this point in your career? Yeah, you know, that's a very good way to put it. When I was premier, it might have been it, it, it might have been overreach um, on my part. But every day I went to work, I couldn't wait to get out of bed. I couldn't wait to go to work. 
And I felt that I was doing something profoundly important, that I was making life better for uh, communities, individuals. Uh, again, uh, that might be uh, a little presumptuous, but that's what I felt like. I, I have that feeling back again. And since that time, look, I've had lots of interesting things. Uh, I'm at a bank that makes probably $10, $12 billion a year, and that's very nice. But I don't wake up in the morning feeling moved by that number. Uh, uh, I'm part of businesses that enjoy huge success around the world. And that is fun and interesting, but it doesn't move me. This moves me. Uh, mm -hmm. I, I believe it's a chance to do something transformational, truly transformational. Adrian, are you excited about the task ahead that you've got? Yeah, absolutely. And you know what, we've just got to, you know, as you said, we've worked together for the last 25 years and, and there's a lot of people who've been really doing this important work in New Brunswick for, for a long time. So to be able to step alongside and to be a part of that, shoulder shoulder with you and your colleagues, um, yeah, absolutely. It's uh, it's just a, a tremendous opportunity, as I said again, to do something really, really meaningful for the province. So yeah, of course, it's uh, it's uh, it's. I kind of have that feeling, Frank. You know, every day you wake up and it's just, you know, it's always meeting somebody new, people that have great ideas, people that want to do important things for New Brunswick and want to be involved. So, you know, how can you not wake up every day when your feet hit the floor and be excited? So if people want to learn more about the McKenna Institute now that you're live, how can they find you, Adrian and Frank? Adrian? Yeah, so today with, as part of our launch, we launched the website. So on unb.ca uh, slash Frank McKenna, or the McKenna Institute, pardon me, is where you'll find, uh, find a bit about our story, what we do, and how to connect so that we can have the conversations and, and work together. Well, look, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you today. I'm so excited about everything that's going to be happening and uh, glad to be part of it. And I wish you both just the best success at really driving this change. And you know, there's lots of us here to help. Thank you. We, we're counting on that. Thank you, Kathy. Yeah. Thanks, Kathy. Okay. Thanks very much. Thank you again to today's guests, Frank McKenna and Adrian Oprey. And it was so wonderful to have an opportunity to dive deep into what the McKenna Institute is all about. And I loved how you talked about the McKenna Institute being a convener, a collaborator, and a partner with organizations like ours, Tech Impact, universities, colleges, the private sector, students, and government, to name just a few. We all know that Frank is a visionary. He's investing in the future of New Brunswick yet again and bringing other investors along as well. And those investments are going towards our students, our businesses and our economy. New Brunswick has been his lifelong passion and under Adrian's leadership, I'm certain we will accelerate our digital agenda together. When I have time to reflect on today's conversation, I see nothing but possibility and opportunities. I don't know about all of you, but it couldn't come at a better time. The pandemic has shrunk the globe. Digital transformation is happening all around us and has forever changed the way we live, how we work, and how we learn. 
It truly has. And it has accelerated the need for talent, digital solutions, and embracing a changing workforce and workplace. As I finish up this episode, I am very grateful. Thank you, Adrian and Frank, again for being on the show. We are all excited and are celebrating with you today on the launch of the McKenna Institute. You know, at our core, Tech Impact is on a mission to help accelerate technology adoption and innovation in Atlantic Canada to elevate our economy and society. We are here to support, partner, and collaborate with you in the days and months ahead. Be sure to check out more at umb.ca slash McKenna Institute. And as always, you can check out the Tech Impact blog for the show notes at techimpact.it. Thanks, everybody. Talk again soon.